Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> are you a writer? Well, we need you. We are currently looking for stories for our next six themes. We've got silence, parasites, remote places, trophy hunters, fire and big brother. So if you've got the story for us, head over to hawkandcleaver.com forward slash submissions for more details. Also, we're running another seven day mini course aimed at helping you write short horror stories. We've had a lot of fun running this course in the past and we can't wait to do it again. We're running it this time from the 19th to the 26th of January. It's a seven-day challenge to take you through the whole process of writing a short horror story from coming up with the idea, writing the prose, editing and getting it ready for publication or submissions at a horror marketplace. We're running this at a discounted price until the 3rd of January. So if you want to grab one of the 10 tickets available, head over to gumroad.com forward slash hawkandcleaver or go to hawkandcleaver.com and click shop in the menu. Looking forward to seeing your stories. Today's story is Rubber Jungle, written by John Crinan and Hannah Mariska, and narrated by Grant Patrizio. I stood in the aisle of the plane, staring at the phone screen as it chirped and vibrated in my hand. It was my sister Manda calling for the third time in as many minutes. She wanted answers. Answers that I couldn't give her. We were both struggling to understand what our father had done, but it was me who had to go collect his body. I just wanted to get this journey over with. 
A flight attendant in a freshly pressed uniform was making his way down the aisle towards me. Sir, could you take your seat, please? I declined the call again, tossed the phone in my carry-on bag, and stowed it in the overhead locker before settling into my seat at the window. My foot started tapping the floor restlessly. It wasn't that I hated flying. I just didn't enjoy it. The waiting around, the close proximity of other bodies. It unsettled me not being in control. On a plane, I didn't make the rules. I wasn't in charge like I was at the office. Which was where I should be right now, closing the big sales project I'd been working on for weeks, not heading off on a long-haul flight to South America. I thought about my father, how he'd walked out on his former life two months ago. It wasn't as if any of us were surprised. He'd never been what you might call a dependable dad. What had surprised everyone was when he turned up in the Peruvian rainforest. The old man had died during an ayahuasca ceremony. The autopsy showed that the plant medicine had reacted badly with the medications he was already taking, and his ticker couldn't handle the strain. A baby started crying further up the plane. My foot tapped faster. Your seat's here, miss. Enjoy the flight. The same flight attendant from earlier was guiding a woman into the seat next to me, along with the woman's assistance dog. She sat down, thick glasses covering most of her face. I reached my hand out to pet the golden retriever. If I didn't work such long hours, I would get a dog. A beagle or a corgi, maybe. Please don't pet him. He's working, the woman said. My hand froze over the dog's head and I withdrew it quickly. I looked at the woman again. Her glasses were so dark I couldn't see through them. I could only see the thin line of her mouth. She must be partially sighted to know what I was doing. Either that or she had amazing hearing. I sat back in my seat, which I now realized must have been the worst seat on the plane. I didn't want to get out and disturb the woman, plus the dog was now lying at her feet, blocking the tiny gap into the aisle so I couldn't squeeze past. My bladder winced at the thought of a long-haul flight without being able to use the bathroom. The baby stopped to fill its tiny lungs and then started crying again. I pulled down the window blind. If I was lucky, I might be able to sleep through most of the flight. We now request your full attention as the flight attendants demonstrate the safety features of this aircraft. I shut out the sounds of the safety announcement and rested my head against the window panel. I'd heard the demo a hundred times before and it never calmed my nerves. My pulse quickened as the engines kicked in and we started moving. I took a deep breath and relaxed letting the gentle bumps of the runway tarmac rock me to sleep. There was a loud thud and I jolted awake. The plane was shaking and dipping with turbulence. The lights above the aisle flickered. The baby was still crying. Next to me, the woman was muttering under her breath as she stroked her dog. My stomach turned over as the plane dropped again. I pushed open the window blind and looked out. A muddy brown river meandered through thick swaths of trees. The land looked closer than it should have. 
I gripped the armrest as the seats rattled from side to side. Ridiculously, I was enraged to discover that the passengers sitting directly in front of me had reclined their seat all the way back into my space. Caught between him and the partially sighted woman next to me, I was trapped. The emergency exit felt impossibly far away. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fastened seatbelt sign. Please return to your seats and keep your- The tannoy cackled and the lights cut out. Screams filled the air as the plane lurched forward. A woman sitting a few seats away was knocked unconscious when suitcases toppled out of the overhead compartment above her. The assistance dog whined. My mouth filled with saliva and I swallowed, trying not to be sick. There was a loud bang and another shake of the plane before the oxygen mask dropped down from the ceiling panels. I watched as my mask fell and bounced comically off the forehead of the man reclined in front of me. It woke him up and tangled around his flailing limbs. The tannoy crackled again. Please secure your own mask before assisting others. My hand shook as I reached across the seat in front of me for my yellow mask that was swinging in the man's face. He realized what I was doing and batted my hands away, mistaking it for his own. I watched in horror as he pulled the elastic over his head and fitted the breathing cup over his own mouth, leaving the oxygen mask allocated to his seat dangling just out of my reach. I stared hopelessly across the sea of heads in front of me, each one connected to the plane now by rubber piping. A flash from the overhead lighting blinded me and left the afterimage of jungle vines in my vision. By some luck, the plane tilted, sending the spare mass careening wildly on its transparent hose. I snatched and caught it, clamping the cup over my mouth. The oxygen tasted bitter as I gulped in deep, panicked breaths. My dad's face popped into my mind. I wished I could see him, tell him that I forgave him. Help me. The woman next to me cried. I turned to look, and for a split second, I saw the rubber pipe crawl around her neck. It was choking her. I reached over and tugged at the creeper, tearing it away from her. My hands were shaking so hard I couldn't grasp it properly, and everything started swimming and blurring in front of me. The bright yellow cup slithered around her head to face me. It raised itself up, hissing. I blinked. With the rebreather bag, it looked like a hooded king cobra. It snapped at me before clamping its silicone mouth over the woman's face. I fell ill. She was still conscious, but her eyes were rolling around their sockets and horrid guttural noises escaped from her throat. The woman's words were muffled under her mask. She pointed into the space in front of her. I looked down, and there was the animal, whining and pawing at the woman's leg. As I stared at him, his thick golden fur fell away in clumps and his body stretched. I tried to move away, but my muscles wouldn't work. My whole body felt light, weightless, like jelly. The dog was morphing into a golden spotted jaguar. It was beautiful, with big yellow eyes, a lithe body, and 
a strong jaw. I couldn't stop staring. As I watched, its body glowed iridescent, getting more and more dazzling until it became so bright that I had to look away. Colors and shapes danced in my field of vision. My head lolled to the side, and I saw the mask snake still clamped to the woman's face. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see the surrounding passengers, and they each had a snake of their own. Long bodies throbbed and pulsed as they stretched down from the panels above and onto the passengers' mouths. I felt revulsion as I realized that some of the snake-like creatures were not just attached to their faces, but slithering down their throats. I tried to stand, but couldn't get my legs to work. I crossed my eyes, trying to focus on the mask over my own mouth. Its thin, scaly body before my eyes, and I felt my mask fill with vomit as I squeezed my eyes shut and attempted to scream. I came to, I don't know how much later. My head pounded and my mouth felt dry. Dried vomit encrusted my chin. I could feel that the oxygen mask had slipped off my face. It was as if I was having a horrible come down, my whole body aching, my thoughts slipping away from me like water. Around me, the plane was dark, but achingly hot. At first I thought I must be dead and this was hell, which I probably deserved. I thought about all the things in life that I'd done wrong, that I should have searched for my dad sooner, that I should have answered the call from Manda and said goodbye, that I should have paid more attention to my ex-girlfriend instead of spending long nights at the office. I should have done a lot of things differently. Laughter echoed down the plane. The plane was still now and except from that high-pitched laughter, eerily quiet. I still couldn't move, but my head was facing the woman next to me. Her chest was slowly rising and falling. At her feet, the dog was sleeping, a regular golden retriever again, head between its paws. Across the aisle, I could see the other passengers all slumped in their seats, with masks still strapped to their faces. They looked uninjured, no scratches, bleeding, nothing. So what was wrong with them? Why were none of us moving? With a Herculean effort, I turned my head toward the window and looked out. It was night outside, and we were parked on a dirt runway. In the distance, I could see a dark shape, a low wooden hut in the middle of thick jungle with a roaring fire in the center of a small clearing. I could see a circle of bodies around the fire, all lying comatose on the floor. My mind spun as I felt myself shoot out of the window and speed towards the hut. My consciousness flew over the prone forms, free of my body and free of the airplane. I came to rest above one individual, lying on a sleeping mat stretched out on the floor. With mounting dread, I realized that I recognized the clothes. My father's and I watched as he rolled over onto his back. No, not my father. Me. <laughs> the same high-pitched laughter rang out, and I was back in the plane again, back in my body. 
I felt my head being turned roughly by the flight attendant so that I was looking directly into his eyes. He looked different now. Gone was the neatly pressed airline uniform. Instead, he was wearing a brightly colored woven tunic of some kind and a headdress. He looked... shamanic? Behind him, I could see that the other passengers were being carried off the plane by similarly attired attendants. He held out a small cup of foul-smelling liquid, tilted my head back, and poured its contents down my throat. I choked and spluttered, but swallowed. It wasn't his own voice that came out of his mouth as he spoke. It was the Tenoy. For your safety and comfort, please remain seated with your seatbelt fastened until the captain turns off the fastened seatbelt sign. Arms from behind me pinned me to my seat. I fought against my paralysis, struggling to free myself, and screamed as the shaman pulled the oxygen mask back down over my face. The bitter smell filled my nose. I thrashed about weakly with my arms, but already they were turning limp. <laughs> the man's face split open as he laughed. I slumped back in the seat and felt the hands biting into my arms release me. Everything started to swim around me, and I focused on the dog sleeping on the floor. Just like before, he stretched and grew into the sleek jaguar. It shimmered, rising up and placing its front paws on the seat. I wanted to reach out my hand and pet it. With no effort, it took me in its jaws and pulled me onto its back. We padded down the aisle between rows of plastic vines, and my laughter joined the others, as together we rode out of the plane and into the darkness of the jungle. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Rubber Jungle was written by John Crinan and Hannah Mariska, narrated by Grant Patrizio, edited by Carl Hughes, with music by Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org. Hannah Mariska is a London-based writer. You can find her on Twitter at at Hannah underscore Mariska, and that's Hannah spelled H-A-N-N-A-H. And John Crinan is a writer and podcaster. Check out more of his work at www.johncrinan.com or on Twitter at at John Crinan. That's Crinan spelled C-R-I-N-A-N. Once again, are you a writer? Because we are looking for writers. We currently need stories for our next six themes. We've got Silence, Parasites, Remote Places, Trophy Hunters, Fire, and Big Brother. You can go to hawkandcleaver.com forward slash submissions for more details on getting those stories into us. Also, we're running another seven-day mini-course. We've run this a couple of times in the past, and we've had such a great turnout. We've met some fantastic writers, and we can't wait to do it again. It's a seven-day challenge to take you through the whole process of writing a short horror story, from coming up with the idea, writing the prose, editing, and getting it ready for publication or submission to the horror marketplace. It's currently running at a discounted price until the 3rd of January, and there are only 10 spots available. So if you want to grab one of those spots, head over to gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver, or go to hawkandcleaver.com and click shop in the menu. Until next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.